All right, boys, listen up. Y'all want to be good sheep herders? <laughs> Two things you got to understand. One, stay awake. Two, ask questions. What if a wild animal comes in? Not now, Benji. I mean, ask questions if something don't look right or if you got a strange feeling in your gut. For instance, that night all them angels showed up. Most of the guys were asleep, but not me. I was wide awake. Just like my daddy taught me. Now you're just bragging. You bet you I'm bragging. Being awake is what separates the boys from the men. <clears throat> so there I was, middle of the night, sitting by a fire, when all of a sudden, kind of got a fluttering in my gut. You know, like something was about to happen, but you don't really know. You know, you just don't know, you know. So I walked up to a little rise, and bingo, the biggest, scariest angel you ever did see. Not that I'd seen one before. First words out of his mouth was, don't be scared. Well, <laughs> it was a little late for that. Then he gets a real nice look on his face, and he says, I got good news to tell you. Then that big old angel, he says, a baby was born tonight, and he's going to save the world. He's over in Bethlehem in a feed trough. Then a whole other mess of angels showed up. Glory to God. They were singing. Woo! They sang for a spell. It was beautiful. Haunting. Then they was gone. You know, it ain't every day you get invited to see something like that, especially if you're just a crusty old sheep herder. That baby's mama was surprised to see us. When we told her what had happened with all them angels and everything, it tickled her pink, I think. So we just kind of gets born, making sure everything was all right. You know, kind of like when a, when a baby lamb gets born, you sit around making sure everything was okay. And then after you do that, you kind of settle in. But this is even better because this is that whole world-saving baby. And we got to brag on him. And Benji... This old soul's been wide awake ever since. <clears throat> Redneck shepherds. That's good. Fluttering down in there. That's good. Oh, man. Hey, over the next few weeks, we're going to be asking this question, what child is this? And looking at the scripture from different perspectives, what a privilege it would have been to be a shepherd and God himself through an angel show up and to present to you that, hey, the baby that you've been waiting on, the Messiah, the anointed one is here. And uh, even with that accent, that would have been good to show up at the manger and to be able to worship, but to literally be the first ones to worship. And what a unique thing. Why would God show up? to the shepherds first and say, hey, you have a privilege of being one of the first ones to worship at the feet of baby Jesus. And so that's what we're asking this morning is what child is this and what a privilege the shepherds had and why did God show up to the shepherds? So if you have your Bibles, we'll read it maybe in not so much redneck in Luke chapter 2, okay? So we'll read that in Luke chapter 2, verse starting in verse 8 and ask the question, what child is this? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy that you will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This morning I want us to, to grasp and to think about what a privilege it was for the shepherds to be able to be one of the first ones to worship at the feet of the Jesus. And why would Jesus come and talk about being a shepherd? That's one of the main um, characteristics, one of the main titles that he gave himself in his ministry over three and a half years was that he was a good shepherd. And so this morning I want us to think about this idea of what child is this and what does it look like to be a shepherd and why would Jesus consider himself a shepherd. And the first thing about a shepherd is, is that a shepherd is willing to lay down his life. In John chapter 10, Jesus even says it this way. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I am willing to lay down. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, why would a good shepherd be willing to lay down his life for his sheep? Well, the first thing is this, is when a shepherd picks out his sheep, he goes out and he literally picks them by hand, and he inspects them, and he says, I call you out to be in my flock, to be in my herd, and and I've invested in you, and I will give everything I can for you. And in that moment that he makes that purchase and he invests in those sheep and he calls them out to be in his flock, he has his own unique mark, his own distinctive mark that he marks his sheep with. So that even from a great distance, whenever the shepherd would be able to look out over the fields and see the sheep grazing, even if his sheep were mixing with other sheep, he could know that those exactly those sheep, which ones were his, because they had a distinctive mark that was only his own. And so the shepherd was saying, listen, as I call you out and I bring you into my family, that I'm marking you with a distinctive mark. And Jesus has said that to us throughout the New Testament. He says, listen, I've called out to you and I've called you by name. And when you accept that call and you come into the flock, that you are marked with a distinctive mark. And that mark is that we look and act and think and smell differently than the rest of the world because we have the mark of Jesus Christ. And so the good shepherd says he's invested in us and willing to, to lay down his life for us. But also one of the things that's kind of an interesting thing is that he says that we're like sheep, which should actually be kind of embarrassing for us because sheep are not the brightest animals in the, in the kingdom. So some of the things about sheep is that they are kind of a, mind, a mob mindset, that if there's one that kind of goes astray, that others will begin to see that and will begin to follow. And we kind of do that as well, is that we kind of see someone and they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. And we think, hey, that maybe that's a cool thing. And so this mob mindset of going and pursuing others. And so there's that. And sheep also are fearful animals, that they're easily f- afraid and things will startle them and scare them. And we have that tendency as well, is that, that new opportunities, and any time we get outside of our comfort zone, begin to get fearful. And sheep are also extremely timid. It doesn't take much to scare them. And so you can see some of the, the commonalities between us. And here the good shepherd Jesus is saying, listen, I've come to bring you life, and I'm willing to lay down my life for you. Even though you may not be the best, I still give everything for you. 
even though you may be fearful at times, even though you may be fearful at times, once you're marked as one of mine, I am willing to lay down my life and give everything for you. A good shepherd is willing to lay down his life. He's an all-in shepherd. It's not a shepherd that's just being temporarily paid, someone who's temporarily paid any time that circumstances would come and it would be too hot or too cold or there might be an attack or it looks like something's going to be happening that may harm the sheep but may also harm the shepherd. If they're just getting paid to take care of the sheep, they're going to be ones that are going to be tempted to run away because they're going to be counting the cost. Is it, are these sheep worth this paycheck? And Jesus is saying to us, listen, I'm an all-in shepherd. I'm willing to lay down my life. I've counted the cost and you are worth being in my flock and I will lay down anything that I have and everything that I have to protect you and to provide for you and to pursue you. So this morning as we continue this idea of shepherd and thinking about a shepherd, a good shepherd that's all in, I want us to gain gain three ideas of what it looks like for us to have a good shepherd. And the first thing is this, is, is a good shepherd that's willing to lay down his life, the first thing is that he provides for us. In Psalm chapter 23, it's a, a psalm that many of you know by heart if you've been around church, but in Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 and 2, he begins this idea of David as the shepherd, shepherd boy, now king, is, is talking about what a good shepherd is. And he says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Literally, you remember that moment just a few weeks ago at Thanksgiving and you had all kinds of different food and everything was there. You had different flavors and different amounts. And after the meal, you sat down in your recliner on the sofa and you said to yourself, I lack nothing. I need nothing more. You remember that moment? You were content, right? Okay, maybe none of you had Thanksgiving. Anybody had Thanksgiving? Okay, and you were content after that. You remember that moment? Okay, you're still full, maybe, some of you. All right, so you were content in that moment, and you said to yourself, or you may even said out loud, I need no more food today or for till Christmas. And then about 5 o'clock, the Cowboys are losing, and you think to yourself, I need a turkey sandwich. All of a sudden, you're not content. There's something that goes, and there's this appetite. And what David is saying to us, and what God is saying to us is, listen, the good shepherd provides in such a way that we are content and we lack for nothing so much that we never crave anything more than to be in the presence of the good shepherd. That we lack nothing, that there's this perfect contentness. He continues on, and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, this is not something easy to do to, to have a shepherd have a sheep lie down in green pastures because sheep, again, didn't, it wasn't something easy for them to do. And so one of the things that they were fighting against was that sheep, again, are fearful. They're fearful, fearful beings. And so if a sheep in any way has a sense of fear or timidity, it's not going to lay down because it's going to be looking around and looking for an attack. And so this is also a quote of relationship. And that the good shepherd is saying, hey, listen, you're not going to lack for anything and you're going to be willing to lie down in green pastures because you know that we're in relationship together and that you sense the presence of the good shepherd. And so that you're willing to lie down because you're free from fear. You're free from fear because you realize that the good shepherd is there. You, you sense the presence of the good shepherd and you know that he's watching over you. You know that he's watching over attacks. You know that he's looking out for you. So you have this moment and ability to just relax and to lie down in green pastures. So you're free from fear. You're also free from conflict. So that if you've seen anything about sheep or any other dogs or any other animal animals in the animal kingdom, what do they do? There's someone's always got to be the top dog, right? Well, there's always got to be someone who's the top sheep. If the good shepherd is not there, the sheep will fight. 
And so again, in relationship, if the good shepherd is there, there's a freedom from fear, but there's also a freedom from conflict, that they don't have to fight to decide who's going to be the top dog or who's going to be the top sheep. There's not a butting. They literally butt each other and fight each other. And so what's happening is in that moment, in the presence of the good shepherd, when they know that the good shepherd is there, that there's a freedom from fear and there's a freedom from conflict. And so again, it sets the stage for them just to relax and to be in the presence of the good shepherd. Another thing that needs to be present for them to lie down in, in the green pastures is there needs to be a freedom from pests. So you've ever been out and it's, you've been outside in the, in the summertime and you at a barbecue or something and you sit down and you have your food and immediately what shows up? Pests, right? And so what are you doing? You're doing this. You're having a conversation and you just you look crazy. If people were to kind of pull up and wonder what in the world are you doing, there's a whole bunch of people doing this. Why? Because you're, you're trying to get yourself free from the pest so you can enjoy your food. And the same is true for the sheep. In the presence of the good shepherd, the good shepherd has already put up a perimeter where there are no pests and that you don't have to shake and to shimmy and to do whatever you can do. But the sheep can relax. And in that moment, in the presence of the shepherd, that the shepherd has actually done preparation and he's put citronella lamps or whatever he needs to do to protect you. He's put the oil on you. He's prepared you for that moment so that you can lie down because you're free from fear. You're free from conflict. You're free from pest. But also this is that you are free from hunger. That you can only lie down when you're not hungry anymore. That the good shepherd provides for us in such a way that we can lie down in green pastures because if you're still hungry, you're still foraging and you're still looking for food. But when you're content and you lack for nothing, you can sit down and relax and rest at the feet of the Good Shepherd. What a beautiful picture for us that the Good Shepherd says that you will lack nothing. Make me lie down in green pastures because you're free from conflict. You're free from fear. You're free from pests. You're free from hunger. And he continues on and he says, And then you also lead me beside quiet waters. A good shepherd prepares the path that his sheep are going to take. He already knows where the good grass is. He already knows where the quiet waters are. Because sheep don't have feet, they can't grab onto anything. And so they need a safe place to get water. And so there's three ways that, that shepherds prepare for their sheep to get water. And the first one is that they look and they get up their sheep in the early in the morning. And if you all have ever been up early in the morning and you walk through grass, what happens whenever you walk through grass early in the morning? Your feet get wet, right? That's dew. And sheep, actually, when as they eat and grab that early grass, they're actually not only eating, but they're giving themselves enough water that if they do that on a consistent basis, on a consistent daily basis, they don't need to go by any other waters because they're getting enough water. They don't have to drink for months. So a good shepherd knows where the opportunities are and the opportunities for the sheep to grab the grass and also to grab dew, and they're doing taking care of two and one, and so that... The sheep, again, can lack nothing. He's prepared the way, prepared the path, and knows at what time that you have to get up and what time you have to be there so they can be the, the perfect time. And imagine that these sheep, with their good shepherd, that they know that he's in relationship with them. He's in their presence. And so they're free from all of these things, and they can lie down in green pastures, and they can be totally content. What a beautiful picture for us is that our good shepherd says, Hey, listen, I provide for you. You should lack nothing. I've prepared the path. I've prepared the way that there's going to be. I know exactly where you need to go. Just trust me. Be within call of my voice and know that wherever I go, that it's a safe place. So the good shepherd that's all in provides for us. The next thing that the good shepherd that does that cares for us, that's all in, not only provides for us, but he also protects us. In John 10, verse 11, 
He says this. He says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, the good shepherd, have come that you might have life. And actually it's super abundant life, an overabundant life. Not, not just living, but an overabundant life. That if you come into the, to the good shepherd's flock, that he's going to provide more than enough for you. It's a super abundance for you. And you can have life to the full. Also with the next verse in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Um, again, David continues to tell us what it looks like for us to be protected. And he says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which if you look in the Middle East, most of the green grass and the best grass for the shepherds is in high places and in very rocky places. And so it's very dangerous places. So a shepherd has to, to walk his sheep into very small, treacherous trails, and he's walking along. Again, he's already, he's already walked this path. He already knows where the best grass is. He already knows where the best situation is, but he also knows where the most danger is at. And so as he walks his sheep to the best grass, he also knows that it may t- sometimes be the most dangerous places to get to the safest places and the best places. And so the sheep in relationship with the good shepherd know that we've got to trust him and listen to his voice and to be prepared for where our shepherd is taking us because we know that he's taking us to a good place, but we may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death to get to there. And so because of that, in relationship with the shepherd, even though we're walking in these dangerous places, I will fear no evil because I know that the good shepherd is taking care of me. I know that it may seem to everyone else that this is way too dangerous and that others may not take their sheep there, but we trust our good shepherd. He's gone this path. He knows this path, and he knows what's on the other end of that path. And the same is true for us. There's times in our life where we are walked through places, and we've walked through places that we think there's no way that we should be here. There's no way that God's here. And when we look back, we understand that not only had was God there, but God was walking with us, and God had already walked before us. He was walking ahead of us and behind us and with us this entire time, and there was not a reason for us to fear evil because the good shepherd was there with us. And so the good shepherd, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Again, the good shepherd is is walking with us and in relationship with us. And two of the tools of relationship for the shepherd are his rod and his staff. Now, as a young shepherd trainee, the shepherd boy would take and he would go out with his father and others who were training him to be a shepherd. And he would go out and get a stick and he'd begin to get that stick and whittle it and prepare it. And it'd be 12 to 16 inches. He began to whittle that stick and make it his own. And every day, him and his father, him and the other shepherd trainee boys would go out and they'd put a target up and they'd go, okay, here, hit the target from five yards. And repeatedly, time after time, hit that target. And okay, now you're good at five yards. Let's move back to 10 yards and be able to hit that target time after time. So it was at a moment's notice, the father and the shepherd trainees would say, hey, listen, hit that target. And they could hit the target wherever they needed to be because as shepherds, they needed that rod to be an extension of their right or their left hand because they needed that rod for protection and discipline of the sheep. And so the rod was one of discipline. There were going to be moments when they were walking the darkest valleys that the shepherd, the sheep, wouldn't be listening to the voice of the shepherd. They were distracted for whatever reason, and they were about to take a step that could literally be their last step, and the shepherd would be able to throw that rod and hit them, and it would make them stop in that moment whenever it was about to be tragedy in their life, and it would stop, and it would, the rod would hit them, it would make them stop, and their ears would perk up, and the shepherd would be able to utter commands to his sheep, and his sheep would listen, and they would stop and get back onto the path of safety. So the rod was one of protection and that discipline in that situation, but it was also one of examination. 
That as the sheep were coming in or the shepherd would notice, hey, maybe the sheep are looking a little different today. They would walk up to those specific sheep and would take that rod and they would move back through the the wool and begin a deeper examination and look underneath the wool. Because even as humans, we have a tendency to hide things deep inside, right? Okay, that's just me. So we hide things deep inside. And so even sheep, there are things that happen underneath that you don't see on the surface. So a good shepherd understands that you can't just have a relationship out here that you have to get in to know. And so the good shepherd gets in and he moves that rod over those sheep and he begins to see what's underneath. And maybe there's something beginning to happen. And maybe there's some discomfort or maybe there's something happening. So as they dig into that, they do an examination. They're carefully examining the sheep in that moment. So the protection of the rod through discipline but also an examination is an important piece for the shepherd. Then also they had this wonderful thing called a staff. And so you know the staff, you've seen it, it has the crook on it. And that crook was an important part. And so it won again, it's a, a tool of relationship, just as the rod was something that they could throw and, and bring in and have an examination. This, the staff was one of relationship. Because when it came to that point of babies being born, the shepherd sometimes would have to pick up those sheep and put it with the mother because the mother had gone off for, for whatever reason. And so the shepherd would pick up that baby sheep. It would move it and place it at the feet of the mother because he couldn't have his own scent on the animal and care. Can you imagine that that's literally an extension of his own arm? That is he, what great care and what great practice it would take that a, a newborn baby sheep and you're scooping that up and bringing that close to you and the, the desire to maybe hold it and provide and protect for it, but also to know that it needs the care and the love of the mother and it puts it at the mother's feet. That's a tool of that. But then also there would come times where he would, as they were coming in for the night, that you would have to, some sheep just wouldn't listen. They wouldn't abide by what the sheep, the shepherd was saying, wouldn't follow his voice. And so they'd have to kind of punch at him and jab at him just a little bit with that extension. And they understood that, hey, that's again a thing of correction. But then also as they were coming in for the night, they would take that little crook as the sheep would come in. They'd want to just stop him for just a moment. They would kind of just gingerly grab him by a little bit by the neck and kind of pull him in close. And again, it probably would have been a sheep that they had done an examination over earlier in the day and realized, hey, there's something wrong with the sheep and I need to get to it tonight. I need to spend a little extra time with this sheep tonight, examining a little bit closer. And so they'd pull that sheep in and literally as the sheep would be walking by, he'd just kind of grab it by the neck and pull it close for a sheep. Further examining, again, can you imagine in that moment for a sheep what would have probably startled you in that first moment of the crook coming around your neck and kind of the little just kind of stops you for a second, but then as the shepherd pulls you in close, and then as he gets down and he kneels next to you, and he continues to hold you with that crook, and then as you see the crook go away, and he probably just grabs that, the sheep around by the arm, and he begins to just kind of to cuddle and to caress and probably talk. And, and in that moment, he gets a distinctiveness of, of hey, you're, you're whatever the sheep's name is, and begins to talk to the sheep. And this is the bonding and the relationship that happens. And he's whispering sweet nothings and talking to the sheep the entire time that he's examining. And in those moments that as he's examining, there's people who have ever been in that spot. Sometimes you touch something that hurts and what happens? The person yells out and screams out because it hurts, right? You say, hey, does this hurt? And it hurts, right? So you scream out. So you can imagine that there's those moments under close examination that it hurts. The same is true for us. When the good shepherd recognizes that there's something wrong with us and he pulls us in and he whispers those sweet nothings and there's that examination going on, sometimes he's going to poke and prod and he's going to hurt because the hurts are deep inside. But to understand that that entire time that the good shepherd has his arm wrapped around us as he's caring for us 
And he's saying, listen, I don't want you to go into that place yet. I don't want you to go into the, to the sheep pen for the night. I want you to let's stay right here in this moment. Let me look and find what's hurting you so I can provide exactly the amount of oil, the appropriate ointment that's needed. Because only the, the appropriate ointment, only the appropriate oil can be provided upon a close examination. And so upon that close examination, the appropriate oil and ointment could be there. Again, this is relationship for them. And then also one of the last things about the staff is that as they're even walking in into the night into the sheet pen, as he's going in, he would kind of prod him. And it's kind of like him saying, hey, we're walking home together hand in hand. And it was, again, out of relationship. And he would kind of put that stick up against the sheep and would just kind of touch them against the hip and up against the side and say, hey, let's walk this last few moments. Let's walk these last few steps together hand in hand. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. Let's go into the sheepfold together. It's a time for us to rest. It's a time for us to lay down. And in that moment, they're just walking hand in hand. Just a recognition of the relationship that they're experiencing together. A good shepherd that's all in provides for us. A good shepherd that's all in protects us. A good shepherd that's all in pursues us. He pursues us. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking to the the disciples at this point and he says, hey, a good shepherd pursues. And in Matthew chapter 18, he says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Now, I used to think, how could a shepherd just leave the 99 sheep up on the hill in these dangerous places and then go pursue the one sheep? Because surely there's going to be another crazy sheep in the 99, right? And so that one is going to start to wander off, and so then you're going to come back, and you're not going to have 99, but you're going to have 93, okay, or something like that. And so you begin to wonder. But one of the things I learned on a mission trip to China is that even though it may seem that there's one shepherd per herd of sheep, that actually they shepherd in community, and so that they work together, and so that there are many shepherds for one community, and so they shepherd in community. So in that moment when there is a sheep that goes astray, maybe from my particular flock, that I give my sheep over for a little bit to the other shepherds so they can watch them, and then I go pursue my sheep. And so that there's safety because there's other shepherds. We're working in community together. We're working together to take care of the flock. Now, when I come back, because there's a distinctive mark of my sheep, I can go pick out my sheep and, and call them out and, and have them a part of my flock again. But in that moment when there's a necessary moment that I have to pursue one that has wandered off, one that has gotten lost, one that needs extra attention, I can give the sheep over to the others and they can care for them. Now listen, it's still not their sheep, so it may not be the same amount of care, but it's better than no care. And so that we can go off and we can pursue the one that has wandered off. And what a celebration there is when that one sheep that is lost is brought back. A good shepherd, that's all in, provides, protects, and pursues. What child is this? It's a child that was raised to be a good shepherd. As a follower of Jesus, I know that my Jesus is a good shepherd. I know that he's all in. He's given everything for me to be in his flock. He's given everything for you to be in his flock. And that if you're in his flock, that you're marked by him, that there's a distinctive mark on our life and that we look and we act and we think there's something different about us. We have a different purpose about our life and that we can even walk through the valley of the shadow of death and know that our good shepherd is with us and carrying us through and he's 
in it, and he's through it, and he's already been there before, and he's going to take others through it again, and he's providing for us, and that we may have to walk through the most dangerous places to get to the most refreshing places, that we can sit down and relax and to rest because he's going to provide for us, and he's going to protect us, and sometimes that protection and that discipline may be extremely painful, but to know that we're in the arms of the good shepherd, and in the arms of the good shepherd, he's looking for opportunities, even in the pain, to provide the right ointment and the right oil, and the right salve so that we can experience a super abundance of life. And it's me that has a tendency to think that the grass is greener on the other side. That it's me that has a tendency to think that there's water over there. That it's a tendency for me to think that there's something better on this other part of the pasture. In those moments when I don't trust the Good Shepherd is when I get in trouble. But to know that the Good Shepherd is ever watching and ready with a rod and a staff to discipline and to pursue and to bring me back home. That is the beauty of the Christmas story. He said he pursued us. Even in a manger, the pursuit began. What child is this? This child is a Good Shepherd. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. For this child wrapped in a little bitty blanket, born in a manger, in the lowliest, stinkiest of places. The King of Kings was born. And Father, in many ways, the lowest of the culture, the shepherds. Your birth was announced to first and you showed up to them first and you set the stage for your ministry and your life saying I have come for all and I'm all in for everyone because everybody matters to God. I do not make junk. I do not make second class citizens. I am a good shepherd for all. Father, thank you for this child. It's in your son's name that we pray.